Hello everybody and welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast. Um, of course, every week we'll be, we, we will be bringing you uh, the different series of um, podcasting, which has kindly been fun, um, funded by Wombedon Foundation. Now, some of the topics we're looking at is coping with stress, anxiety, um, anxiety and fear. We're looking at reaching your full potential, self-care and relaxation, self-confidence and self-esteem and obviously um, mental health as well. So that is the series that we've been kindly funded by Wombardin Foundation, which we are very, very grateful for. Today's podcast, we're focusing on reaching your full potential. And I have one amazing guest who um, is here to talk about his journey with dyslexia. Um, obviously, he's, he's gone through quite a lot with his dyslexia, but he has really achieved amazing things. And Duncan's story will really have you jaw dropped. Uh, so today we're focusing on reaching your full potential. And I'd like to welcome the amazing Duncan R Ruby, um, who will be talking to us today about his journey with dyslexia, the struggles, the highs and the lows, and why he would never change his brain for anything else, because dyslexia has made him who he is today. So Duncan, welcome to A2I Dyslexia podcast. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for having me. It's a real privilege. Real privilege to have you on the show. Oh, no, that's, that was an amazing, um, that's an amazing introduction. Thank you very much. No, but you are a very inspirational person, really inspirational. Obviously, when I spoke to you um, before the show, I was really blown away with your story and how you've really turned your life around. Most people probably would have given up halfway, but you saw it through to the end. And um, I think, you know, a lot of dyslexics would love to hear your story and hopefully, um, you can inspire someone to change their life around. Um, so welcome to the show and tell me a little bit about yourself, Duncan, and how has dyslexia impacted in your life growing up um, from childhood to where you are now? So I, I am a marketeer. I work in marketing and I'm a trained uh, graphic designer and I've worked for uh, um, high street uh, leading brands in their field for the last 10-ish oh, years. Um, and I was, uh, I was given a, a dyslexia diagnosis at 13. Um, and uh, I uh, attended a school that had a good special needs department. So I was quite fortunate in that respect. And then after I left school, I found the world a very challenging place and um, mm. maybe didn't operate in it as well as, as I could have it. I'd have been a more organized person or a, a, a more linear thinker. Um, and I had a lot of issues. I ended up uh, um, sleeping rough for a short while. And um, that sucked massively. That was not a great thing. Uh, and mm. so I, uh, I felt like I needed to do something about it. And one of the things that uh, I was fortunate enough to receive was um, uh, some money from a charity to enable me to start uh, back into education. And uh, I found that education actually is the route to changing your world around you and uh, and and the outcomes of, of your life and how you operate in the world. Fantastic, and I will entirely agree with you, um, um, Duncan, because when um, obviously my di my dyslexia was diagnosed at a very kind of adulthood age, and um, going back to university is what was the key 
for success for me. And I do hammer on about this. And I do, when I go out to give talks, I talk about this all the time because without going to uni, I would never have been diagnosed and I would never have known that there's even a condition called dyslexia. I just thought I was slow and I just thought I can't catch up with everyone else. And I just thought, I mean, my mum said I was born premature. So I thought, okay, maybe I was a bit, a bit late in developing in a brain or whatever it might be. Never would I have associated it with dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, and all the other disses you can think of at the moment. But um, I think your story is really moving because, I mean, I just, you know, sort of give a little bit more introduction about you. So you're a marketer, you're a graphic designer, marketing automation specialist, email marketing yep. specialist, and a digital marketing specialist. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what more can I say about that? You know, all the most amazing jobs you can think of of dyslexic doing is what you're doing right now, or, you know, what you were doing in your previous job. Yeah. And, and today's show really, um, today's podcast rather, is more about a conversation. So I just want us to have a conversation about, you know, your, your journey from homelessness and, 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 and yep. to hope, which is, um, you know, turning your life around in, in the education system and where you are today. So I, I thought it was worth um, talking about uh, how I, how not as much how I became homeless as more as I stopped becoming homeless or I stopped being homeless. So I was, um, I was, I was, and actually I recalled this after our conversation the other day, but I was really fortunate that I got my first step off of the streets was I managed to get into, there are organizations in the UK called foyers and they, and they take homeless people off the streets and especially younger homeless people and, uh, and, and help them on that path to education. And I was thinking uh, this morning, actually, I think that was probably the point where it all really began. And yes. they put me in touch with St Mungo's as well. And I um, yes. I got onto a, a very a short course at an organisation called, called the City Literary Institute in central London. Mm-hmm. And I uh, hadn't had much calls to go to central London up until that point in my life other than to have fun. So uh, mm. I felt quite grown up and, and, and went up to this course. And, uh, and we were talking the other day about um, self-sabotage and the fear of failure mm-hmm. or the fear of, fear of success, maybe. And I can remember yes. thinking, I'm going to be terrible at this. This is going to be awful. There's all these voices in your head saying to you, you know, you're going to make a fool of yourself. And it's good. you're going to try and do something simple and everyone else will be able to do it and you won't be able to do it. And uh, actually, mm. it, it wasn't like that. Adult learning was completely different to uh, school, which I think now yes. is where I've identified a lot of those voices come from. Um, yeah. and, it was, and it was really good. And uh, I did that. And then I thought, well, you know, that was, that was good, but you can't stop there. So I, mm-hmm. I applied for a, I was on benefits at the time and I, I managed to get mm-hmm. into, um, I think I was sleeping on friends' sofas at that point in time. And uh, I'd managed to get into a course at South Thames College for a high mm-hmm. certificate. And that was a, that was really, that was another lucky moment in my life because there was a woman working there as an educational psychologist. And I decided at that point, I was near the end of the course, I decided I was going to try and go to university. Mm-hmm. And um, I needed extra help. And she was running uh, um, educational psychologists assessments mm-hmm. for free, as long as I agreed to have my data used in, uh, um, in, in, in her studies. So I was quite lucky because that got me the additional funding at university that I needed to be able to get through uni and pay for it and, and the extra time as well. And I think um, that's one of those things is people, especially adults, 
maybe they're a bit worried about getting assessed and what that might mean and 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 how that will affect their lives and i think that's that's something that people need to understand is is getting that assessment is definitely a good thing it definitely helps absolutely and and like i said for me it was exactly the same having the assessment done getting the um, niece assessment being able to get the, the one-to-one support at university being able to go up to a lecturer and say look i actually don't get anything you've talked today and you'll be like elizabeth don't worry you know book an appointment with me at another time or your one-to-one support can help you to understand this and it was one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had for that reason i I, i'm always willing to learn i just feel like i need to catch up on my learning because i missed out so much of learning from from primary to secondary i I lasted like two and a half weeks at college and i just left (laughs) I was like, look, I've had enough of this sort of learning yeah. and, and left and went into the real world. So, you know, I, I sit on top of a mountain and say to people, look, the, the assessment is your passport to that success. You know, it's your freedom. And once you get that, anything is possible. And I think you would agree with me, Dan, can people understand about dyslexia a bit more now than they did back in the 80s or 90s? Yeah, I think... Um, I think is that something you... Yeah. Def- definitely, yeah. I mean, I was... Mm-hmm educated in the in the 80s and, uh, mm. I, I have a distinct memory of being stood on a chair in the middle of my class at primary school with my hands in front of me and being made to repeat times tables which I didn't understand they were like magic um, and I couldn't repeat because I couldn't remember that many numbers in, in a sequence um, and that completely for years completely destroyed my ability to carry out maths I think or, or to, to to feel confident about tackling maths that I would would need in life, and uh, that's that that's now I think a child would be identified a lot quicker, and the support would be there for them. Like they wouldn't, and and, and whether or not now standing a child on a chair in the middle of the class and getting them to do something is even an approved teaching technique, which I doubt. Well, <laughs> I doubt it very much. Yes. No. That would never happen. <laughs> no, but um, no. yeah, I think there's there's a lot that happens in our early education that affects how we address our adult lives and, and, and how that, that affects our dyslexia. When you were mm. waiting for your assessment as an adult, did you have thoughts about how that would reflect on you if it came back positive? To be honest with you, it sounds really crazy. I was hoping it would be negative. Yeah. I, was saying, I, I kept saying to myself, please don't let me be, um, you know, and a statistic or because in my culture these things are not spoken about you know i'm from i'm from ghana west african background and that nobody speaks about these things and when mum and dad gave birth to me or when mum gave birth to me so to speak i had to be perfect nothing had to be wrong with me and when i heard the word dyslexia at that age i was like well, actually no i'm uh, there's nothing wrong with me so as i went for the assessment i wanted it to come back as actually you're not dyslexic yeah. so i thought yes that's not what's wrong with me then yeah. i don't want i think for me i didn't want the label it was so much like the label that goes with it um because then you become like oh elizabeth you need to be pulled out of the class to be taught differently or the teacher and you don't get it and because you don't get it I, I used to feel stupid all the time i'll be honest with you um but the hope was it would be negative but it came back positive and, and then I was like, actually, now where do I go with this? It was a total shock for me. I think I cried most of the day, thinking, wow, how do I now deal with this? You know? Yeah. Um, because it, the word dyslexia in itself sounds like a medical term, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like, 
we were talking about university sport and I was saying that I thought that, that disabled students allowance was, was mm. I, I don't think that's, I still don't think that's what they should call it. But if, mm. yeah, you start to think like, okay, then this is, it's a dysfunction. It's called mm. the disses at the beginning, isn't it? So Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then that means I'm dysfunctional. And then maybe mm. like a little bit of what they were saying was right about me. Maybe I just can't, I can't do it. And I, I, I have a, a recollection of somebody at one point telling me they thought that I was unemployable. And uh, I'm sure that didn't help either. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you've proved that you've proved you've actually proven them wrong, haven't you? Because you are employable. And um, I mean, I know at the moment with COVID nineteen and everything, you've actually been laid off your work. Yeah. But you are seeking for work and or looking for work. And I'm I'm very sure there's something will definitely come your way. You know, at some point. Um, but. You know, it, onwards and upwards, I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. And you can't, you can't, you can't let these things stop you, can you? But I think um, um, the key, for, definitely the key for me, and 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 what I've come to regard as the root out of poverty is is higher education. That's the, the way forward. Mm. And and absolutely, I think if you're if you're an adult dyslexic and you've got you've had that experience of school, especially school in the eighties and nineties, um, you sort of think, oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be just like that. It's going to be, you know. I, I can't do it. I absolutely couldn't do it. And and the truth is you get there and it's a completely different form of learning. And I, I, I think dyslexics in a way do better in higher education than, than people who aren't. They're more adaptable in the way they think. I think we do. And and, and, the, and, and joining ideas. Yeah, I think we do actually. Absolutely. And I also feel like in higher education, there's a bit more, I think because we're a bit more, we're adults now, so we can actually ask for that help. Yeah. And say actually i don't understand this i need help to understand and it's okay to feel like that whilst as when you're the age i don't know from primary to secondary i think you just kind of go along with it because okay. even if you went and so miss i don't get it um i don't know if teachers have got that time for you to be honest with you no. um, and if they have it's more or less and find a one-to-one -one support and then if that one-to-one -one support person doesn't understand dyslexia and specific learning difficulties, then it becomes a whole different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and Would you agree with that, Duncan, do you I, think? I think so, yeah. And especially, you know, class sizes are large. And, and I don't, I'm not sure there's one-to-one -one support there on most of the education system now anyway. I, don't, I, I think that's probably going to get, maybe going to get a little bit harder as well. Um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's easier as an adult and in higher education to say, I don't get this. And, and do you know what? Actually, a lot of the people around you don't get it as well. That's the thing. But it's just you, you've got to the point in life where, you're, where you're not afraid of saying, I don't get that. That's, that's magic, yeah. that, isn't it? Well, that works. Isn't that a bit magic? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, somebody said to me, um, your middle name is, I don't get it, Elizabeth. I, I don't get it, miss, or I don't get it, whoever you may be. Yeah. But I don't get it. I really actually don't get it. And I was talking to my daughter the other day, and she, she said to me, oh, mum, it's really strange, but when I speak to you, the first time I've said something to you, you haven't understood it at all. And I have to go back and break it all down for you. And I said, that's what it's like in education for me. Mm -hmm. But nothing was going to stop me, Duncan. I was out there to reach my full potential. I was out there to break those barriers because I think for me, I was more sick and tired of being a failure. Yes. Um, I wanted to win. Yes. You know? I wanted to win. Mm. And I mean, could you talk, tell me a bit more about hearing the word failure? How does that make you feel when you were um, younger and up to the point of education? Yeah. What, were, what was going through your mind at that time? Did you think, well, actually, 
I'm going to stop this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, you know, this isn't going to work out for me in terms of education. I'm not very good at it. I find it hard. I spend half my time staring out the window. My notepad looks like somebody's taken a, 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 a wind-up toy and taped a pen to it and just let it go all over the page. Mm. I, and, and you look around you, you've got people, they've got all these beautiful neat notes. And everything. I was thinking, Christ, you're organised. You know, I'm never going to be like that. I've got a bag here that's got things in it. But, and like, dyslexic yeah. children, when I was a kid, and I have this thing that dyslexic children were always the kids who have blue fingers. Because when I was little, we was, they forced us to write with, with, with ink pens. So you'd have, you know, you'd always have a massive stain on your blazer or whatever. Yeah, I think that's, that, 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 that sense of failure is something that you become so scared of that you will go to extreme measures to avoid it. Absolutely. And that great feeling, Duncan, that great feeling of knowing that you've done it and you've passed that exam yeah. or you've passed that coursework. It's just such a liberating feeling. And, you know, and, and I, I normally say to people, one of my friends said to me, you're back at university again. And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> she said, why would you keep going back to that place that is tormenting, as she used to call it? And I said, because I need to catch up. I think I've lost out on so much. And then I've got a great interest to find out more about a certain area, particularly dyslexia and specific learning has been something that I really want to dive into and find out why and how. Yeah. So I can then explain it to people, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, th I think, I think that's a, a part of a dyslexic's journey with education as well is, is, is first up, you get to say definitively, yes, I know about this thing. You can't say, you can't say I'm a bit thick about that because I definitely... But then it's also mm. that 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 um, that sense of achievement when you overcome all the tests and all the barriers and everything else. Well, when I got my degree, I, I was that was like a big big thumb thumbs up the nose to, to to every single teacher who said to me, "Well, you you know you can't do that, or you can't do mm. this, or you, you maybe you should pick a different subject." <laughs> that was that was often quite what it came to me, um, and I think that's that's that. Yeah. Is, is that feeling of achievement, that feeling of success when you when you beat the system and you beat those courses, is that's uh, um, first up. No one can ever take that from you. You can, yes. you can be the worst Absolutely. person in the world, and that's still yours. Or you can make the biggest Absolutely. mistakes, and that's still yours. And 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 it's all yours as well. I think that's the second thing. It's it's an incredibly personal thing. People think people take education for. Uh, career advancement or for uh, virtue signaling and all those things but actually I think the, the biggest thing you can take from it is that feeling that you take away inside yourself when you succeed absolutely no, obviously the knowledge as well yeah, that you learn whilst you're there um, <laughs> I must admit when I first did my degree in human resource management um, and I combined it with sociology yeah. and there's a lot of reading in sociology and I just didn't get any of the sort of the third person, you know, yeah. they say the third writer, whatever they call it, yeah, Karl Marx and all those people that they talk about. I just didn't get it at that point, and it was a real nightmare for me. And I remember saying to myself, never again. And when I went back to do my postgrad, obviously that was a bit more, I was so scared, I was petrified. I thought, oh my goodness, it's gonna be a nightmare. But it was actually a lot easier yeah. doing the postgrad than it was doing um, the degree. Um, and now I'm sort of ready for my master's, and I'm like, actually, I think I can do this very easily. And I say that because I've got help yeah. and I've got the support I need. You know? And, and that, that's what makes it possible. So let's just move on a little bit and talk about, you know, from the full-time education 
So how did going back to full-time education help you to overcome the homelessness? I know you've spoken a little bit about yeah. that, but St. Mungo, which is an amazing charity, yeah. let's hear a little bit about what they do and how that was a great turnaround for, for, for you. So Duncan. they they so through uh, the foyer in Croydon, they uh, funded that, that first mm -hmm. course. And um, I think that was the thing that, that made me realise mm -hmm. that, that I, was, I didn't need to be as scared of education as maybe I thought. And also that somebody was prepared to invest a little bit in me because I hadn't invested in myself very much up until then. I think that was, that was a, because it wasn't a large amount of money and it, that, but that was a huge thing that, that somebody somewhere had signed off on a bit of paper saying, yeah, he can, he can go and do this. And if that person had been me, I'd have put a big red X over it and sent it back saying, no, no way. Um, and yeah, so that, that they, they were, uh, um, and probably without ever knowing, without ever realising it, they were a massive impact on, on, on how I then addressed the next two years of my life and going to South Thames. That was massive. And then um, Greenwich, which was my university, I'd actually made a private ap application. And they say that with a private application, like I didn't go through UCAS, they say oh, like nobody ever gets a private application. And uh, I got a phone call out of the blue one day from the tutor and she said, well, I've, I've looked through your application and I think I'd quite like you to come in. And I went up there and I had a, a, I had a, what must have looked like a sack of papers or a stack of yeah. drawings. And I laid them all out in front of her. I said, this is what I've been doing. And she said, okay, you can, you can come on the course as a, um, as a mature student. And I didn't realise that there were slightly different rules for mature students either. And uh, yeah, that, that completely opened my eyes. I think, um, and also university introduced me to concepts that I probably wouldn't have, have thought about either in terms of being yes, a little bit more yes. empathetic and, and, and seeing things through other people's eyes and things like that. that was, wow. That was so so if, any, if anybody's listening to this podcast right now, a young person who's feeling like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, obviously, all these GCSE results that have come out, I really sympathise with people with special education needs, particularly... Um, I know the GCSE marks were sort of based on last year's um, predicted grades, but if someone didn't do so well uh, in their GCSE or even at A-levels, and they were thinking of going into uh, university, but they've got dyslexia, what sort of advice would you give to them? Uh, persist, definitely. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I think it's unfortunate if you're young, you've got to have those A-level grades, haven't you, to get in or, or go to college and, and do a, f a further education course. I think if you haven't got those A-level mm. grades, is, is better than A-levels. I tried A-levels and they're, they're, they're really hard. They're, they're not geared towards practical thinking people, towards neurodiverse people at all. Um, I found further education college more helpful and it got me into, it got me into university the same as everybody else. Um, but persist. What you, like, if you've just got your GCSE grades and they're not looking how you think they should look, in 15 years time, nobody's even going to ask you what those grades are. So don't, don't worry, just keep going forward because they're not going to matter for as long as you think they're going to matter for. They're just to help you get to the next stage. So don't, don't get angry about it. Don't get angry at yourself about it either. Because I think you can feel yeah. a bit like, well, I tried three times harder than everybody else, but didn't get, yeah. Yeah. Didn't get as anywhere anyway. So. But I think, yeah, it's, 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 you can't give up. That's the thing. You can't give up and you can't let that voice absolutely so that, that says you can't you can't let that have space absolutely so would you say that determination perseverance never give up attitude i've got to do this and i've got to do this for me is that what saw you through 
your um, trials and tribulations. Yeah, absolutely. Not like you, I'd had enough. I mm. thought this is, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to use the word, but I thought this is a four-letter word. I've had enough mm. of this. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is, and it's mm. not going anywhere better. So the only person in the end who's going to do it is you. Absolutely. Nobody's going to reach out and help you. Not, 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 not to lift you up to where you know you can be. And every dyslexic I've met has been super clever, super clever, but just not good at these processes that the world's built around us. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of the, the, the processes is like setting us up to, to fail kind of yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, we get to a certain point and it's like, gosh, I can't, you know, I can't, for me, it was like, I, I've had enough, I think my tears have dried up. Yeah. It was like that for me. So I can't cry anymore. I can't get the tears out. And you know, as big as growing up as I was, I felt like a child again. Yeah. But when I when I went back to further education, my first job was a complete disaster. But I thought, you know what, you're not gonna quit and you're not gonna you're not leaving this time. Because my middle name again was look, just give up and go. It's not working. Try something else. And I go and try something else, and guess what? It's not working. So how long can you keep running for? You know, yeah. except to face it. So you face your you face your demons, and and then you say, look, come what may, I you know there's a saying I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. Yeah, you know, and there's there's a weird thing actually that's that's interesting because there's a thing in 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 um, that I was reading about in California in, in, the, in the tech industry there that they want you to have a couple of failures as a business owner, and uh, I think here particularly in the UK that's almost seen like a bad thing, but it's it's taught you how to fail and it's taught you how to stand back up and it's taught you how to identify the next thing that you're going to move on to. Maybe that's why you get a lot of entrepreneurial dyslexics as well, though. Maybe that's why you get a lot of uh, business owners. That, uh, that you yeah, because I think, I think for a lot of dyslexics, you're like, do you know what? It's not really working for that particular company. Do you know what? I create my own. Yeah. And there's a lot of freelancers, you know, a lot of dyslexics that freelancers in fashion, graphic design, social media person, whatever they might be. Um, because that creativity is what we should really be celebrating. Yep. You know, being able to make that amazing graphic design without colour. I've always said the world is going to be pretty boring. Yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I, as, as a graphic designer, I mean, the colour you can bring on page is just so amazing. Yeah. And I think the last time we even spoke, we were talking about, I think you were talking about if someone gave you Excel spreadsheet, it's like wow on oh, no, a graph graphs and charts yeah is what you were yeah. saying so, so yeah so yeah i've developed a, a love in my adult life of uh, data visualization so graphs and charts i love a graph and a chart i see a lot of people who i work with they'll have these wonderful spreadsheets with a million uh, a million characters on them and they make no sense to me whatsoever and you can put all that in one graph and show someone and go visually go there you go there it is that's what it looks like and i think that's quite a dyslexic approach to things as well like you know i can show you but if you want me to write you a thirty thousand word essay about how it worked i'm not going to do that that's really not and it won't make sense so i can show yeah. you and and wow. i think that's worth more maybe being able to do that yeah oh duncan you know what it's been so amazing i've just got one last question yeah. for you um so what advice would you do you have for any dyslexic listening to this podcast and maybe going through challenges during this COVID-19 yeah. pandemic what advice would you give them because to be honest with you being dyslexic alone is one thing 
Now, I wouldn't really call it lockdown at the moment. I think it's semi-lockdown yeah. or whatever the word is that yeah. it might be at the moment. But working from home, people may feel a bit overwhelmed. Lots and lots of people have lost their jobs due, due to COVID. So if you're dyslexic and you've been working for a certain company for some time, and now all of a sudden you have to, you know, they've laid you off. What advice would you give them? I, th I think first, think first up, there, there, is, there is somebody else out there who you can work with who will understand how you are and who you aren't. It's not, you didn't find a unique situation. Um, and I think the other big challenge for me working from home is um, I, I, my organisational skills are not as amazing as some other people's. So I've had to, um, I've had to create an office in the corner. But yeah, I think keeping on top of your organisation is, is really important whilst you work from home as well, especially for dyslexia. Yeah. Because we, yeah. not, not that dyslexics lose focus easily. I think it's just that, that it's, your brain is trying to connect everything together at once almost. And, that's, and, that, and that creates a different, a different thing. So being organised is, is definitely a big help. And that's a big challenge for me as well. Yeah, I think it's a big challenge for all of us. So the best way I, I work, and in fact, I work from my front room, working from home, and I have a 10-year-old who would occasionally ask me for things. Yeah. So I normally shut myself off. Yeah. So nine o'clock I'm at work, and four or five o'clock I finish yeah. work. Um, so the television is off, everything is off, and it's just about work. Um, for me, it's working, but I guess not for everybody. One thing I've also learned is that working remotely has been such a great and a brilliant way of working because yeah. there's no distraction. No, I love it. You know, there's no one in the office. I, I, honestly, there's no one in the office asking you a question. There's not, the next phone is ringing. People are not popping in and out yeah. of the office. You know, and, and, and I think because of my dyslexia, for example, I don't like anyone to see me make mistakes. Yes. So I like to be in my little corner. Yes. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I can get you to talk, talk a bit more about that. You know, what was it like working in, working in an office and you think, oh, I can't spell that. And you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, but at home, you could try so many different ways, can't you, Duncan? Yeah. Of how you can get that word on paper. Respect is like, so obviously uh, short-term memory problems and things like that. So um, I'm, I'm, I occasionally, I have to look up basic things. I think, oh God, you know, I, know, I know it, but I need to look that up and double check that that's how I remember it. And I think that's almost akin to that. In, in an office, I would be embarrassed to do things like that, or I'd be embarrassed maybe to use my handwriting in front of people, which is quite, it's ridiculous when you think about it, really. But yeah, I think, I think that's uh, been one of the joys for dyslexics working from home, is nobody gets to see um, some of the insanity, maybe. <laughs> and I, I, I get that. <laughs> I 100% understand that, Duncan, because I was trying to spell one word. I can't remember what the word was. I think, I think it was available. Yeah. And I spelt it in so many different ways. I couldn't get it. And then I Google, I put it in Google yeah. and it spelt it for me. But I was arguing with Google, saying, no, that's not how you spell it. So for a good hour, I couldn't get past available. So I just thought, oh, find another word for available. Yeah. And that's thought, when will you be free? And that's, that's a great tactic as well. That, that, that I quite often do that. If I'm writing and I, I can't mm. work out a word, I just think, no, I'm going to go and find a different word for it. That's, that's, it's, it's, it's done me enough harm now. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Honestly, it's been so amazing speaking to you, Duncan. You. What, a, what a wonderful um, conversation that we've just had around uh, reaching your full potential from homelessness to hope. Um, your story, and you know, I know at some point it would be great if you could get a book out. I know you're probably thinking, no, Elizabeth, <laughs> you're 
you know, for, for other people who are homeless, who might be going through homelessness and thinking there is no hope because, you know, sometimes there is, sometimes there is, you know, and I, I think I really 100% agree with you from what you said and said, look, it's, it's all, the onus lies on you. How badly do you want it? You know, yeah, how badly do you want it? Are you, are you ready exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So is there anything at all you want to say to our um, podcast listeners before we actually round it all no, up? I think just, uh, look, I, 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 I'm not sure if it came across, but I, I, I definitely, I've taken a journey from sleeping on church doorsteps because I thought that maybe that might be the safest place to going through university. And I didn't have money for, I didn't have a lot of money for going through university or college or any of that business to finding my way into the workplace in, in a rewarding role where I can show people that I'm actually capable of stuff. And I think the thing is, don't don't give up. You can do it, and 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 anyone can do it. It doesn't matter who you are. Anyone can do it. You just need to find the right way in, and maybe some people around you who um, are prepared to believe in you a tiny bit. Absolutely. And I think just to round that up, I think you know, ask for help. Yeah. If you need that help, just ask. And I, that's something we tend to struggle with quite a lot as dyslexics, yep. because I think we're afraid to ask just in case we get judged. Yep. Or just in case someone said, well, hang on a minute. What do you mean you can't spell it? Which was yesterday for me. IT was a big, huge problem for me. I thought, was it IS? Is it IT? Is it TI? Is it for a good 10 minutes? Couldn't spell it. Now, that's something my 10-year-old could do sleeping, you know, in his sleep. But, you know, and then, of course, when you go to art school, sometimes you feel a little bit, um, people might judge you. But listen, it's on one stand upwards. And I just want to say thank you so much, Duncan. Thank you so, so much for coming on HY Dyslexia podcast and all the best with your new job search. And I'm sure something will come your way and good luck with everything that you um, aspire to be. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Thank and it's you. great work you guys are doing there. I'm, I'm, it's really, it's really good to see that somebody's out there advocating for people. That's great. Thank you very Wonderful. much. Wonderful. Thank you. Take a look after yourself. Thank you. Bye-bye. Please do reach out if you need help and support um, during this COVID-19. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Join us next week, same place, same time with a different topic. Thank you very much. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast is funded by the Wimbledon Foundation and presented by Elizabeth Tashi. It's produced by Salt and Pepper Productions.